Wings Way, a podcast looking back at the history of the Kalamazoo Wings. I'm voice of the K-Wings, Isaac Berkey, and throughout the course of this season, we're going to hear a lot of great stories and get a behind-the-scenes look from those players and coaches who lived it over the last 44 seasons. Back on this edition of the Wings Way podcast, joined by former K-Wing and current Huntsville Havoc head coach, Glenn DiTulio. Glenn, really appreciate you giving us some time to uh, chat here this afternoon. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for, uh, thanks for having me. So we'll start off with, with when you got to Kalamazoo during the UHL days. You'd, you'd played a year before in the UHL, or two years before, excuse me, before you got to Kalamazoo. Did you have any kind of past experience playing in, playing against the K-Wings? Did you know anything about what you were getting yourself into coming into Kalamazoo? Uh, you, know, you know, played against them, like, you know, a couple times. Um, you know, I think I played in Kalamazoo a few times, but... Um, you know, didn't really know, you know, much about the city or, you know, quite honestly, much about any of the players and until I got traded there. And then, you know, when I got there, it was uh, kind of welcome with open arms and part of the KZU family right away. So um, I learned pretty quick. As a player coming in midseason, when you get traded into a place, what's, what is that experience like as the new guy kind of coming in? Uh, you know, I think like at that point I was, uh, you know, I was a little bit older. Um, you know, when I'm, you know, kind of an older guy in the team and, and had a daughter, so I think it's a little bit different than maybe a younger guy. Um, you know, going there with a wife, I think the other wives and um, the other older guys kind of, like I said, welcomed us pretty quick. And um, if I'm not mistaken, a day or two after I got to Kalamazoo, um, Nick was having a – it was a Thanksgiving um, meal going on at his place, and we got invited there. So um, it was one of those things where, uh, you know, the hockey world's, um, it's pretty cool in that regard where you walk in the locker room and it only takes a few days before you feel like you're part of the team. And, um, you know, they did a really good job with that, obviously. But, you know, especially with the, you know, with the, you know, with the wife and daughter and stuff, I mean, that was even better. So, you know, it was, uh, you know, once you kind of settle in, you know, the away from the rink stuff, um, you know, the rink stuff takes care of itself and it's away from the rink. But when that, when that gets handled really well, um, it's really not a big deal um, changing teams. It happens pretty smoothly. So um, hockey is unique in that respect, I think. You came into a team that ended up making making a pretty good run and winning that championship. A lot of guys kind of talk about championship teams, what makes them, how special they are. From your perspective, what was special about that team? Yeah, I mean, they were defending champions from the year before. And, uh, you know, it was kind of a – you know, for me it was kind of a strange year because – I started the year off in Quad City, got traded to Kalamazoo, and then I actually got traded from Kalamazoo on deadline day um, to Elmira. So I was there for a good chunk of the year in Kalamazoo and kind of knew, you know, you can kind of sense why they'd won a championship the year before. It was really cool to be part of that. And then um, I got traded to Elmira, um, you know, late in the year and finished the year in Elmira. And then with kind of some wacky rules they had in the UHL back then, um, Kalamazoo essentially reacquired me for the playoff push. So, um, it was kind of a weird year. Did a lot of bouncing around, but <clears throat> I ended up back in Kalamazoo, and you know I knew right away, um, you know, getting to that locker room in Game One in the playoffs, that you know we had a chance to do something special, and um, we just had some veteran guys there with you know Tyler Willis and Corey Carlander and um, you know Nick Bootlin, and I mean just kind of go down the list of players, and um, we just knew that if you know we'd give ourselves a chance to to get it done, and came up a little bit short, but um, it was a really really fun ride, and for me that was my first you know, really extended playoff run 
um, so on a personal level, it was, it was a lot of fun to be part of something like that and, you know, really test yourself and see, you know, how you can, you know, can you get the job done in the toughest times, and it was a lot of fun. Back to that getting getting reacquired by Kalamazoo for the playoffs, what what was that rule? How were they able to kind of bring you back in, and what was that like getting traded from a team and then brought back in for the playoffs? Yeah, I think, you know, the, the, they had a rule basically where every team essentially – you know, you put your playoff roster out, and anybody that was left off your playoff roster essentially went into a pool, and then the playoff teams can then in turn, you know, draft out of this pool if they if they wanted, if they needed somebody. Um, and the way I worked with Elmira, they didn't make the playoffs, and they just left me unprotected, so I was part of those players that could be selected. Um, and it's funny because I was actually driving back home. Um, we had a house in Omaha at the time, so we were actually driving back home and we had stopped in Kalamazoo because all our stuff was in storage. So we were going there to pick up all our stuff and load it up and head home. And I got a phone call from Mark Reed at the time. And, you know, Mark was like, uh, you know, kind of, what are you doing? Where are you at? I'm like, oh, I'm in Kalamazoo right now, just packing up. And he's like, well, he's like, you want to stay in Kalamazoo for the playoffs? And I was like, uh, yeah, that'd be awesome. So, um, you know, kind of funny how it, it, it all worked out. And um, like I said, the hockey, the hockey locker room is something special. I mean, I walked in, it's like I hadn't left at all. Um, and uh, it was pretty seamless, and, you know, like I said, we went on a pretty crazy run from there and came, you know, one game short from um, getting the job done. So for me, like I said, I was hours away from my season being over, and it turned into another six or seven weeks um, and a pretty uh, pretty wild playoff run. With that team, how did it help to kind of have those those guys that had been big pieces of the year before your Corey Carlanders, your Tyler Willis, your Nick Bootland to kind of help yourself as a as a pro come into this locker room, but also just kind of help the the locker room as a whole. And did they did they kind of serve as you know coaches in the room per se? Yeah, I mean, I think what was uh, you know it was really unique with you know playing for you know Mark was um, you know we would do a scouting you know we'd scout every team before each round and. Um, which is, you know, which is I, I do with my team now that I kind of got from Mark was <clears throat> that was done within the locker room. Mark wasn't part of that, so essentially every player was assigned a different player, and then each guy had to do homework on a player, and we'd get together as a group, um, and you're just kind of doing homework on, you know, tendencies on ice, all these different things, you know, trying to get a little bit of an edge on players, but it was really the players that you know had that accountability to do it, and. And that kind of translated too. I mean, obviously, Mark is putting the game plan together and, and making sure the right guys are on the ice at the right time. But, um, you know, with that locker room, you just knew that um, between periods, um, the right guys were saying the right things. And, you know, if you're a younger guy, you just had to, you know, they, they led the way. And you just, you know, had to follow and trust that, you know, you knew they were going to bring you down the right path. So, you know, for a player like me, um, you know, I kind of got, you know, there was an advantage in, in a certain regard because some of those guys were going to get. Um, probably the you know the bigger matchups and a lot more expectations. And somebody like me at that time can kind of slide on the radar a little bit. And, um, you know, I was able to have a pretty good playoff run, and part of that was, you know, I was probably getting some some easier matchups than guys like Booter and, and you know Willie and Carly and those guys. So, um, you know, as long as you know, and that's why, um, you know, depth is so important because you know we won some games where you know was our top you know, our top line or top two lines getting the job done, and we had to win some games where, you know, maybe the third line um, was chipping in and scoring some big goals. So, um, you know, I was just happy to be a part of it wherever, you know, wherever they fit me in. You know, some nights it might have been more minutes than others, but 
you know, you're just trying to find a way to, um, you know, to contribute, whether it was, you know, shut, trying to shut somebody down and scoring a, a key goal. And um, for the most part, the big dogs got it done. But, you know, we, we tried to chip in when we could. You mentioned you took the scouting report kind of idea from from Coach Reed when you were here. What were some other things you, you kind of took from him that you look back now as that you're a coach and you realize that really impacted how you coach? Uh, yeah, I mean, I think, to be honest with you, he's probably the first coach that uh, made me feel that I could become a coach. You know, like I think the old school way, a lot of the other coaches I had were um, – you know, I wouldn't say all necessarily yelling and screaming, but just guys that were like super, super intense and um, in your face a little bit more. And I think that was kind of the traditional way that you know, growing up, how it was. And you know, Mark really wasn't wasn't like that, to be quite honest with you. I mean, there was times where, like any coach, I think he had to get honest, but um, he just had a way. He just had a way to get you. I think it was more instead of motivating, it was more inspiring. And I think if you ask anybody that played for him, if we've had a bad game, you really felt like you let him down. Um, and I think that's unique. I, I think that's a unique dynamic. You know, I think a lot of times when you play a bad game with certain coaches, you know, you're frustrated and, you know, the coaches maybe coming in and getting on you and the next day of practice is going to be hard and all these different things. But, you know, with Mark, it was almost like the team just felt like, you know, you let your dad down a little bit. He just had a way where, um, you know, just the way he communicated with us, um, super smart guy. And for me, you know, I'm a little bit, I was always a lead by example kind of guy. And, you know, I'd say my coaching style is the same way. Like, there's times you got to get on and get after your players. But, um, you know, I try to treat my players with respect. And, you know, I'm a lot more calm behind the bench. And I think playing for Mark allowed me to see that, you know, I, I could be successful coaching, you know, without having the huge personality and, um, you know, being boisterous and, and all those different things. So, for me, it was an eye-opener. Um, you know, his video sessions were – I mean, to this day, his video sessions were incredible. Just the way he saw the game and thought the game um, and how he communicated that with players, I always thought that, you know, for me on a personal level, really um, hit home. And um, like I said, it was it was probably the first time in my um, playing career where I really felt like, you know, coaching was something I wanted to do. So, um, you know, Mark was a huge influence for sure. That run finishes up. You decide to, you come back to Kalamazoo that next season for 07-08. What was it about Kalamazoo? What brought you back here for the next two years, really? Uh, I mean, the city, you know, part of it, like, you know, we really, my wife and, you know, at that point we had two kids. We really liked it there. Um, you know, there was a core group of guys that were coming back that were just unreal guys to go to the rink with every day and battle with. Um, just the locker room was just, it was, it was just a lot of fun. And, um, you know, the UHL back in the day was an older league, so there was a lot of older guys with families and, um it was great. The travel was tremendous. You know, when you have young kids, you're not, you know, on week-long road trips, you're home every night. So, you know, there's a lot of different things. And, you know, part of it was, uh, you know, felt like there'd, there'd be another, especially after going to the finals, we felt like, you know, there'd be a chance to come back and do something special. Um, didn't really work out that way the first year back, but um, just a lot of different factors. That, you know, the experience was so positive that, um, you know, we just, it was, it was no hesitation wanting to go back. You mentioned the travel in the UHL. A lot of times you'll hear kind of interesting stories about buses breaking down or interesting occurrences on the road. Do you have any anything that comes to mind when you think about just looking back on your time? Uh, you know, we had a couple. I mean, I think we went to Fort Wayne, and 
we couldn't get the bays on the bottom of the bus open because it was so cold and I think it froze up and um, it was tough getting it open to get our stuff out. I think they had to bring it in the, the rink and thaw it out a little bit. Um, I don't know if we had any, I've had more bus, I wouldn't say problems, but bus stories, you know, since I left where we had longer road trips where there's more likely for things to happen. I mean, um, most of our trips in Kalamazoo were, you know, between two and four hours. So you're there and coming back. So, I mean, nothing, I mean, nothing crazy. I mean, you know, the, the winters in Michigan and there's times where, um, you're getting there late and you're scrambling to, you know, to warm up and get on the ice. Um, I think those are probably pretty typical, but, um, you know, I, I remember more than anything was coming back from the road and all the cars are parked in the parking lot and, you know, there might be a foot of snow on it after you left and, you know, it's minus whatever it is outside. It's freezing. And, um, you know, the guys would pull some pretty funny pranks where guys would start their car and let it warm up while they're unloading the bus. And, you know, the first guy out would jump in that person's car and park it all the way at the other end of the parking lot. Um, so when they'd walk out, they'd have to trench through the parking lot to get to their car. So I think of those kind of things more on the bus trips, just the shenanigans and the fun coming off and, um, you know, having to deal with the winters and stuff. So, um, yeah, a lot of, a lot of fun stuff. Who, who are the, uh, who are the big pranksters on, uh, on the teams yeah. when you were here? Yeah, I mean, Willie was always in the mix, for sure. I mean, if there's anybody, I mean, he was involved somehow. Um, I think a guy like Carly is probably under the radar, maybe not as, uh, you know, kind of sneaking around. And, you know, I don't think Booter's, I don't think Booter's innocent either. I think, uh, you know, he's always kind of lurking and stuff. But, I mean, you knew something was going on. Willie was going to be involved, for sure. I mean, there's no question about it. He was going to be the, you know, the ringleader and making something happen. So, for you... As you you mentioned, everything was was really kind of close. What were uh, what was your favorite rivalry to be a part of as a K wing? Yeah, no question, Fort Wayne. I mean, I think uh, you know, I think Fort Wayne comes to mind because um, we played them so much, and, and probably the other one would be Muskegon. Um, you know, we had a, I mean, we had an unbelievable playoff series against Muskegon um, the year we went to the finals, where we had to win Game Seven. You know, on the road, I think Carly was suspended for Game Six and Seven, so we had to. Um, went at home and then we had to go there and win game seven. I think we went, we got the game winning goal with, I can't remember, maybe 10 seconds left um, in a tie game. So um, always a lot of good rivalries there with Muskegon because they had, you know, you know, Robbie and Nelson and, and they had these, you know, these high end guys that were so dangerous. So they were always tough, but um, I mean, Fort Wayne, we played so often and, and um, it just felt like you played them almost every week. And, um, you know, back then it was the same core guys from both teams. So, um, the matchups were, I just felt like I took every face off against Colin Shock and um, it was always, you know, Guy Dupuis was always on the backhand and you're battling with him. It, set, it seemed like it was that way for two years. So um, it was, uh, you know, and going there to Fort Wayne, it's always a tough place to get a win in. Um, it didn't matter if you played them on a Tuesday night or a Sunday in the back end of a four and five. I mean, when the two teams played, it was going to be intense. It was very, very few games um, that were boring. It was always going to be a battle. So, you know, that, that definitely comes to mind. I don't think anything's changed. Sounds like I talked to Booter quite a bit, and um, I'm sure that win there, um, I'm sure that win yesterday at home um, felt pretty darn good. For you, we'll wrap it up with this one question. I've, I've been asking a lot of guys. It's, there's been 45 years of hockey in Kalamazoo, but as you look back at your, your years here in the K-Wings, if you had to kind of encapsulate what K-Wings hockey is into a phrase or a word, what would that be? Oof. Um, I guess, uh, and I would say old school, and, and that's in the best way. I don't know how to explain that, but 
Um, I just think when you walk through the doors, um, like the arena, you see the, the old pictures, like the history. Um, to me, it's just like really reminiscent of like, you know, pro hockey, old school style. And, and I mean that the best in the best possible way. You know, I think there's, you know, some of the way the game is now is, has changed. Um, I wouldn't say for the worse, it's different, but um, just the, I just think of Kalamazoo and I just think of hard nose, um, you know, like I said, old school rock and sock and hockey and, um, you know, kind of miss seeing that, to be honest with you. Glenn DiTulio, appreciate your time. Thanks so much for chatting with us. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. Thanks for listening to this episode of Wings Way and make sure to check back each week for new episodes. Is there a former K-Wing you want to hear from? Head on over to any of our social media accounts and let us know. While you're there, make sure to follow and like us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram so you can stay up to date with all your K-Wings news.